Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. I'm Dave Balog. I'm the Chief Information Officer for 1,000 Moms, building community support for LGBTQ youth in foster and adoptive care. And um, we have a lot to talk about, but this is, uh, uh, we're trying to get a little uh, emotional distance from (laughs) the stress and the craziness and the sadness of uh, this. COVID-19 pandemic, and um, so um, that song was In My Midnight Confessions by The Grassroots and uh, a top seller in 1968, and joining me to discuss uh, this and other uh, songs and what happened in the year, the very eventful year of 1968 is Dr. Ray Working, and greetings, Ray. Welcome, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you for participating. And how is your your week, your uh, social disruptors? And, 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 you know, Ray, this is, this is really getting – there is an emotional side to be paid for um, – social distancing and, and it is necessary, it saves lives, but um you know, uh abuse is up, uh depression is up, um and uh it's it's we you know, kids I don't know how parents are dealing with kids who who can't go to school and uh um so those seem minor in 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 relation to the, uh, you know, the life and death issues going on in our hospitals, but it's all um, all could have been, uh, if not prevented, uh, greatly mitigated. But we don't have a leader who is <laughs> capable of doing this, and um, so it's. Uh, it's very, very sad. I, I can't watch the orange crush anymore. Uh, he crushes my soul. Um, so, Ray, uh, the floor is yours. Any any comments? You want to just talk 1968, and um, which is what we're going to well, do, but uh, any comments I, on I the start? I will say at the top, you know, a lot of people know, most people know by now, we have an extended family member, my nieces, who, you know, I raised their aunt is on a ventilator at St. Peter's Hospital in Albany, and they are fervently, desperately seeking a plasma donor. and um, That's been occupying my thoughts and efforts because I, you know, had it out on my Facebook and all of our social media to try and make it happen, and I have a very close friend who's in the same situation, the same place. I've lost three classmates and a, a friend at Easton. So, you know, it's it's taken on a whole new psychodynamic because it's it's so personal now. Um, I'm trying to keep my emotions in tow because, you know, the anger I, I feel toward how this developed is almost uh, <laughs> indescribable, but it, it serves no purpose at this time. And so it's just a matter of Prayers and, and diligence in trying to get the right treatment and uh, the right person for this plasma donor thing. And there's so many pluses and minuses. So uh, I'll just leave it at that with an ellipsis because I'm looking forward to 1968 very much today. I need a distraction. Mm. Yeah, and I I, I have uh, my friend Mike who is, uh, um, well, he's... I I just can't quite grasp what's happening to him. He got the virus last week and uh, was initially okay, released from Albany Med, um, but now he's just not sounding very good, and he's 89 years old. And um, I would like to think there would be good news, but... uh, Every time I call him, I wonder, is this the last call? And um, he's uh, alone and um, very, very scared, And um, but, but on the other hand, strong. But um, it's 
uh, scarring. These issues, these, you know, um, we're uh, we're going to be in this for a long time and recovering for a long time. And uh, um, but let's put that aside for forty minutes we have left and and talk about uh, 1968 Um, the song I just played the grassroots um, in my midnight confessions was um, uh, uh, how can I say (laughs) I was in a trivia contest for the show that um, uh, I'm sort of stealing the, the theme for this, uh, the American Gold Show by Dick Bartley, and uh, I entered a, his trivia contest, which was really a fun activity. And, and when I got on it, I I uh, found out how hard it is. And <laughs> I, I was given three clues, and um, all you had to do was mention uh, the group or or um, uh, the name of the song or Stumble along and 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 give a few lyrics and uh, a few words from the and uh, I was able to do the latter and um, and I, I kind of blew the other two songs so uh, I, I at least got on the board and um, um, so it was uh, um, in my midnight confessions by the grassroots so. Um, 1968, I think we, we kind of, in our last show, we skipped, well, we got through to June, and in June, of course, was the assassination of Robert Kennedy, and um, I can't tell you how um, shocking that was, kind of like the feeling I'm having now, I mean, just disbelief, shock. We'd all been through the assassination of his brother and um in nineteen sixty three and this is just uh, beyond at least my ability to grasp i was I was only eleven but i i um very sadly watched the funeral and um and then that long, long train ride. Uh, where they brought him from his body from New York to Arlington Cemetery, and um, that was uh, incredibly sad. And but people, you know, very dignified people from all walks of lives of life, uh, the poor, the who he he championed and and. Uh, African Americans who he championed stood by seemingly that whole route and and in their everyday clothes um saluted him. And uh Ray, do you remember I'm sure you do that I that, did. I sat transfixed. I my eyes were glued to the television and you know, some people lost their lives and when they were hit by the train and add the tragedy um, top of tragedy was uh they were so determined to feel closer to this man that had touched them, that had resonated in their hearts and souls. And we all, I think, 
truly believe, I mean, I worked on the Bobby Kennedy campaign here locally, you know, diligently, and we really believed the change had come. And once he passed, it seemed like, you know, there was nothing left to to grab onto. And we ended up with Nixon. I think it would have been very different if, uh, you know, he if they said if it had been another 12 to 24 hours and uh, Hubert Humphrey, who was certainly a, a liberal um, politician, had, uh, you know, embraced a position step away, away from uh, LBJ, Lyndon Johnson, that things would have flipped. But he he was loyal in a political way, and it it cost him those few folks, folks, boats, excuse me, that that he needed that could have. And I, you know, I'd be interested in your thought because um, if if Humphrey had been elected, where where do you think things would have gone? Oh well, um, I I only think it would have been a positive. Um, I uh, I think um, he would have gotten us out of Vietnam a whole lot sooner. Um, than either Johnson or Nixon or Ford <laughs> were able to do, and um, I just think he he had maybe not all of the the charm of his brother, but he he had the the ability to connect and 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 unite people, and um, he was not a. I mean, he was he had a reputation for being ruthless. I think that was his middle name. But he was so young. I mean, he was 42, for God's sakes. And and I I just think people would have rallied around him and um, wouldn't have been perfect. There were a lot of issues brewing. And but I think, uh, well, I'll just have to say it. The one reason I've come across and that... um, you know, it was always a mystery who shot him and why. Uh, we know the name, uh, Sirhan, Sirhan, that strange name. Um, but I'll always believe that uh, he had to go because uh, Bobby Kennedy had, had promised to reopen the uh, uh, the investigation into his brother, his brother's death. And um, that was just not be allowed. Um, so really, uh, it led to a calamity in the in the party. It led to a calamity at the Democratic Convention, where it seemed the whole world came to to protest. And um, you know, the uh, of course we had the the hippies, <laughs> the yippies. Um, very much against the war. Uh, women's uh, groups were were protesting for for um, their rights, and the Democratic Convention just turned into a free for all. I mean, fighting on the floor, um, nasty speeches, one politician to another. Um, Oh, I remember the senator from Connecticut really taking out <laughs> Richard Daly, the mayor of Chicago, and Daly, who didn't have a microphone, but you could almost mouth, you you could lip sync your or read his lips of uh, him shouting back uh, 
to uh, um, Ribicoff, the senator, and it was, you know, be, all being watched by not only the Republicans and my former boss, William Sapphire, and uh, who was uh, an operative for Nixon, uh, and they they cleverly or enacted their southern strategy as a result, uh, and, and sort of the code word law code words law and order became their theme, and we're gonna not we're not gonna let this happen to America, and they sort of ran on the southern strategy, which I know you you know very much about Ray and uh, and the, the the realignment of the parties really happened the uh the 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 former Republican party which was uh party of Lincoln the champion of of uh the African American people believe it or not um flipped and uh, became the white southern party and um and Democrats became the home of the uh, African Americans, and everything just uh, and it's just snowballed since then. That um, so that was. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts of the Chicago Convention, Ray? Well, and I, before I go to that, I, I want to hit the Southern strategy really quickly. I was 20 years old. I was in the campus center of the private Franciscan college I went to, Siena. And, you know, I can, I can see the cover of the Time magazine. It was emblazoned, the Southern strategy. And so much has been written in so many op-ed pieces about how that was the genesis of where we are now. I mean, many have tracked it back to Reagan. And believe me, he did his part to bring it along on a continuum. But the the Southern strategy really made the difference. I mean, Nixon lost in 1960, in one, at least to some extent, because he made a vow, a foolish one, that he was going to go to every single state. There was no strategy. And the last state I think he went to was Alaska. Um, might have been Hawaii, but I'm pretty certain it was Alaska. And, you know, I think there were three electoral votes there. And people were saying, Dick, don't just, just let it go. You know, you need to, you need to do this. Uh, but by eight, fast forward eight years, they they'd figured it out. They knew the electoral uh, secret, and he, you know, he still almost lost with all the things that went wrong. But to to field your question, I don't think I've ever watched a more um, absolutely captivating television piece of television than what happened with Mayor Daly on that night. I remember two specific things, and that was um, Mayor Daly pounding not unlike Khrushchev in the Cuban Missile Crisis. He was pounding his fist. I mean, this old, nasty, white man he was threatening those people. He was going to get rid of them outside. And here he was a Democrat, and the peaceniks were out there. And and, and just looked at it, and you, I just saw the election going right down the toilet. And the other, of course, and I'm sure you remember it, even though you were young, was Dan Rather, a young journalist. <laughs> Down on the floor, a young reporter, rather, and journalist, who was attacked by the so-called security people. And, uh, you know, America's father, <laughs> father figure, Walter Cronkite, saying, and I'll never forget it, it looks like we've got some thugs down there, Dan. 
because he's watching this, you know, his mentee, Walter Cronkite was a mentor of Dan Rather, one of several, and he was watching him essentially being beaten up. I mean, they managed to pull him off before it reached that level, but had they not been there, they were going to do their job on him, and he could hardly speak. He was so shaken. That, that's what I remember, and those were moments in America that back up that theme that you put forth so clearly. This is where people really wondered if the country was imploding, and I can't break loose the analogy between now and then. Maybe, I, maybe it's a reach, but I don't think so. Different situation, same fears. Yes? No? What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I think it's been a continuum since then. And, and uh, um, you know, it was a cynical uh, ploy by Nixon. Uh, and, uh, he was uh, uh, really on the ropes. He was a, a failed uh, presidential candidate, a failed gubernatorial candidate and um, and uh, you know after Barry Goldwater had been blown out in 64 the Republicans were really kind of desperate and uh, they turned again to Nixon and uh, uh, he was determined to succeed and he just barely did it Um, I remember the election went to the next day Uh, they, they wouldn't call it but if three states, I think two of them were uh, uh, Illinois, California, and I forget the third one, but if they had just swung uh, by about 3,000 votes to Humphrey, Humphrey would have won. Um, but that was then, and now this is now, and, and there's very much a, a direct line uh, that you can draw Um um, from from '68 until uh, the disaster we have sitting in the White House. So Ray, we have we have more songs to play, and I wanna I wanna turn now to um, a favorite of mine. Not necessarily um, uh, a song that this group is known for. I'm talking about the Beach Boys, and um, after they had produced their very well-regarded Pet Sounds album with songs such as Wouldn't It Be Nice, In My Room, God Only Knows, a concept album that uh, really got them away from their uh, beach song uh, roots, the California uh, straight white boys. Uh, I have to say they they were very appealing in a way. Uh, I knew I was gay when my when my father uh, brought his army buddy and and two uh, extremely good looking uh, adolescent sons to New York to the New York State World's Fair for a, uh, a it was sort of a reunion for my father but I was drooling at the at the, at, at the sons <laughs> and and they were they were like redwoods and and just they looked like Beach Boys. And uh, you know, being from California, and they were uh, um, so there was definitely a, I, I think I always associated uh, the Beach Boys and California music. Um, you know, it's kind of a a New York disc jockey called them the Bleach Boys uh, <laughs> at one point, but uh, 
they, they did produce wonderful music, um, uh, and they were very white, that's <laughs> for sure. But the song I want to play is um, something where after Pet Sounds, they they kind of took a break in 1968, and um, they went back to uh, their origins in the in the beach music, and um, came up with this gem, and it's called um, Do It Again.
had uh, the most incredible sound system. And um, uh, after the game, uh, they just sort of let you hang out, and uh, they uh, the the stadium uh, played several songs, and this was one of them, and it was just very relaxing and um, sitting in the sunshine, <laughs> like in the song, and um, listening to this uh, wonderful music. And uh, so that's sort of a personal note on uh, boys and uh, let's do it again. And um, I later sat, found that they had a very, uh, a very, uh, their music, especially on Pet Sounds, was considered just uh, expert and, and so well-crafted. Paul McCartney was a big fan, not only of the, of that, album but of their music in general and um, they were a lot more than uh, uh, their early beach records so uh, Ray we I'm hearing uh, our announce our lady announcer in the background here urging us along and we have one more song to play but I wanted to ask you uh, tell me a little bit since this is a rally and reunion here uh, last week you talked about uh, the Corvette as the car of 1968. Was was there another car? Was there another uh, a favorite of America as we we uh, hit the roads that summer? Um, you know, we're uh, uh, a car nation, at least not a pink car nation, but a a, <laughs> a regular nation of cars. Any, any, uh, was the Corvette um, the only uh, car on the roads that summer? Oh, oh no. Uh, the, you know, the second category would, wouldn't be just one car, but would be t- quote-unquote muscle cars. Mustang had been introduced in April. Hard to believe uh, that the anniversary is uh, all those years ago. At the World's oh. Fair that you went to multiple times. I don't know whether you remember wow. seeing it, but they had a like a circle, like a merry-go-round of all the different Ford cars, and one of them was a Corvette. But the cars for yeah. 68 were the other muscle cars that were spawned uh, or were uh, like knockoffs, so to speak, of the people in Pierce wouldn't like me saying that, of, of the Mustang. So you had, of course, the Camaro, Camaro rather, and the Barracuda and the Grand Prix, and it... Um, you know, it was the it was small cars, grossly oversized engines, and you know, spin those tires. Insurance cost a fortune because there were so many accidents. Seat belts were rarely used except at the speedway. So uh, yeah, I, I would say it was probably enough. If you wanted to think about a solo car, it would probably be the Camaro at that time that was going head to head with the Mustang. Although the Mustang had sold a million cars and in uh in two years by 66 so uh camaro was so far behind that but still selling very well and had many fans so that'd be my answer camaro yeah yeah and i i later drove both of those cars and and they were wonderful they were powerful and um the mustang uh of course we still have the mustang correct 
Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And it has a very distinctive look. Okay. Very distinctive looks. And uh, um, I I was, uh, it just sort of transformed you to to drive that. You you just felt, uh, how can I say this? You just felt better about yourself. Things are, this is this is a this is a car you really liked, and and uh, it um, uh, of course I didn't own it. It was my brother's car, but uh, eventually I, I w- it was bequeathed to me, um, my brother's Mustang. And um, so Ray, we uh, I'm always mindful of the time here. We have one final song I want to get to. It's a very special one for me. Um, I just think it's uh, it's Simon and Garfunkel, and it's um, Scarborough Fair, and I just think this is one of the most beautiful songs. It's it's a 15th century um, medieval uh, uh, song sung by bards at at fairs, and and uh, Paul Simon came across it, and it 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 always fascinated me um but it was um just uh, uh a a lovely uh, actually two songs and and you'll have to the second song is sung underneath the lyrics of the first one uh, it's very very it, it, it's it's called Scarborough Fair and the second song is called Canticle um and it's it's really really poetry brought to music and a lovely beat. And when Simon and Garfunkel got together for their reunion in New York in 1981, uh, I mean, a million people packed Central Park and it was just a um, a wonderful coming of uh, age or, or remembrance or just, just such a, an event that, um, uh, people appreciated their music more than ever. Um, so let's uh, let's play Simon and Garfunkel, uh, Scarborough Fair, and then uh, uh, come back and and chat a little more about it. So from 1968, this is Scarborough Fair.
Well, Ray, that was kind of an extended uh, a version of uh, Scarborough Fair, but I I just have a a couple of notes about it that I, I just want to share, and um, it's just such a an, really considered an anti-war song in the in the midst of all the the violence and the and the um, uh, protests about Vietnam. This was considered. Um, uh, an anti-war song based on uh, there was an actual Scarborough Fair held in uh, the town of Scarborough in England uh, in medieval times. Um, it was uh, um, uh, held for 45 days beginning in August every year and uh, Paul Simon learned about the song when he was on tour in England and um the uh the, the lyrics are very very interesting i mean of course it's about a man seeking his his true love and uh and the references to the herbs always uh intrigued me and in medieval times the herbs mentioned in the song represented virtues that were important in the lyrics parsley stood for sage was strength, rosemary was love, and time was courage. And, of course, the show, uh, the song um, was used in the Dustin Hoffman movie, The Graduate, uh, which was uh, uh, released that summer. Um, so, Ray, we're, we're uh, winding down our 45-minute allotment from from Blog Talk Radio, but uh, what do you, uh, any, any thoughts about Simon and Garfunkel or uh, any any events of that tumultuous year of 1968? As far as Simon and Garfunkel are concerned, I mean, I have such high regard. I don't know if that's something you can truly appreciate if you didn't live through that era. It is reflective of so much. I love the way you ran through the herbs. I'm most impressed. As far as the year, I, I think it, the, the comment that it's the year America almost uh, imploded is very accurate. I think you were right on the cusp, and I think we're on the cusp right now. Um, interestingly enough, with Nixon, of all people, you know, the next year we had Men on the Moon, and it was a different feeling. And his secret plan ultimately turned out to be a lie, and all those boys lost their lives. And uh, It was one hell of a year. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and in a, in a strange conclusion um, to the year, I remember, I believe it was Apollo 8, um, reached the uh, orbit around the moon, and it was on uh, right around Christmas. And on Christmas Eve, um, they, um, they read from the Bible, the astronauts did, as the pictures of the moon were were shown uh, uh, miles underneath them, um, it was <laughs> it struck me as eerie um, and you know a little projection. Today I would be really offended because it was uh, you know I I don't like too much religion being sort of forced upon us, um, but at the time it. 
it seemed to have a purpose. It was just such a a, a terrible time from uh, Martin Luther King to Bobby Kennedy to uh, rioting and um, but we uh, we learned we made it. And, I, have throw, uh, I have to throw in one musical factoid or they're going to kill me all of our listeners uh, this was well at the, in December was Elvis's 1968 comeback special which took him out of seclusion and propelled him back into performing so uh, can't forget Elvis the 1968 Elvis comeback special Oh, okay. That's our, um, that's our show for today. I, I hope folks liked it. Uh, send us send us emails. You can, you can get our information on the blogtalkradio.com site. And um, we want to thank everybody. And um, we'll be back next week with a um, another time, another concept show. And... Uh, Ray, I want to thank you for your participation. And everybody, please, please stay safe. Wash your hands regularly, thoroughly. Um, Keep a distance and um, save lives until we we get back to some sense of uh, normalcy. So thank you all. Have a good night. Bye, Ray. Take care, David. Be well.